Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in this world. I hope you are doing good and the Lord bless you. And welcome back to our third episode of the Faith Talks podcast. And the third retake. (laughs) (laughs) First. I read a verse wrong, and I was like, gosh dang it, this is going to be embarrassing, we have to start over. Second time, Emmanuel just com- and I just completely cut out, and I was like, we really have to record this again. We we're like four minutes in, so it's not like we we're like 20 minutes in, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, so our two topics today are about the unbiblical, I mean, the unforgivable sin, and um, our second topic is, what is biblical love? And for our first topic for the unforgivable sin, a.k.a. blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, the verses that we're going to be going off of today is Matthew 12, verses 30 through 32. And it says, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather in my name scatters. Therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven, people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Now, I'm just kind of going to go over like the basics, kind of what is the unforgivable sin, and then Emmanuel can go in much deeper than I can, because... I didn't truly know what blessed me against the Holy Spirit was until like an hour and a half ago. So that's fun. (laughs) Um, So the main ministry of the Holy Spirit is to testify of Jesus and what he did on the cross. And, um, and when that testimony of the Holy of Jesus and the and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, Spirit is complete, completely and finally rejected. One has truly blasphemed the Holy Spirit and is, and is basically calling the Holy Spirit a liar. Um, so you can reject Jesus throughout your life, but you can still um, accept him. But there comes one point in your life if you continually reject Jesus that eventually you're just going to finally reject him and commit blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Um. And if you want to go read Matthew 12, verses 22 through 32 yourself, you can see that the Pharisees were so close to committing that sin, but they didn't end up doing it. And um, if a lot of Christians struggle with this, I've struggled with this multiple times. Like, how can you know that you didn't commit blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? Um, basically, if you truly desire to follow Jesus and to learn more about Jesus at all, and you've given your life to Christ and you're just serving Christ and you cannot commit blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. If you truly desire Jesus like at all, that shows that you did not commit blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. But continual rejection of Jesus will eventually lead to blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Um, do you want to add on, Emmanuel? You can keep going. That's all I have. Oh. <laughs> well... To, to get an understanding of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, you have to identify two things. First, what it is, and two, can Christians get it? The, the first question is, what is it? The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is the rejection of Christ. When we are saved, 
the moment we are saved, we receive the Holy Spirit. There's no such thing as you receive the Holy Spirit when you're baptized, because then you can't get invalid for you to get in, uh, baptized. Some church might say, uh, especially the LDS will say you have to get baptized, then the Spirit comes upon you, which is completely false. It is a falsifying doctrine that has no basis in Scripture. The moment you are saved, you are sealed by the blood of Christ and by the Holy Spirit. Um, second, can Christians get it? Now, Catherine had already answered that question. It is impossible for Christian to get it. Why? As Catherine said, because you have faith in Christ. You don't reject Christ, you accept Christ. So, no Christians cannot get it. Now, it is more or highly vulnerable in that time of Jesus ministry when the age he started his ministry you're most likely to commit the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit why is that because you saw the actions of Christ you saw what he did you saw the miracles you saw him feed the 5,000 you saw him heal the blind made the leopards clean from their leprosies but still rejecting him, even though you saw the miracles, is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That is why you're more qualified. Now, I don't even want to use the word qualified, but you're most likely to commit that sin because you saw the actions of the Spirit working in Christ when he was doing his ministry. Why are you less likely to commit it in this day and age? Because Christ not physically with his body, his actual body being on earth, showing and producing miracles as he did thousands of years ago. You are most likely not to commit it. When talking with a non-believer, they have an extended mindset period something somewhat of I'm going to do that later on in life when I get a bit mature and a lot of them do when they come to the realization that they're living in Romans 7 and they need a savior Paul says who can deliver me from this body of death but Paul was a blasphemer he makes that clear in First Timothy. I was the blasphemer, an, uh, an insolent man. And, and a list of so on had, had Saul committed the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Yes, he did. Because killing Christians was one of his burning passions. It was almost a job. On the road to Damascus, 
the glory of Jesus struck him to the ground. And he knew he was living in sin. He knew he was rejecting Christ. That there would be no way to be sealed by the Spirit. Even though he was Jewish. There would be no possible way to be sealed by the Holy Spirit. Without accepting the Son of God into his life as his personal Lord and Savior. And in Acts chapter 9, I believe, that is when he believed. That is the moment the Holy Spirit sealed him, justified him, and in his ministry, he was sanctified by the Holy Spirit. He was reformed by the Holy Spirit by praying and getting revelations from God. The last book of the Bible he wrote was Hebrews. The last ever letter he wrote. Mm -hmm. And probably even until his death, he could have written more letters to other churches that are not accounted in the Bible, but from his own thoughts and mindset. Because he was sealed by the Holy Spirit, justified by the Holy Spirit, and sanctified. That is the work of Christ. When you reject it, you're not safe. Now, the church makes it very complicated, especially the modern church, in understanding what the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is not committing suicide. It's not drunkenness. It's not rivalry. It's not being some blasphemer. We know that because he says, Jesus says, you can blaspheme me and God and you can still get saved. But the true understanding of it is the rejection of Christ into your personal life and as your Savior and as your Redeemer. Boaz was the Redeemer for Ruth. Ruth knew she was living in Death Valley. And she needed to get out of that unpleasant life. Instead of rejecting Boaz, she actually was the one that went forth for Boaz, listening to Naomi and God. So, if you want to be redeemed, you have to accept the Redeemer. You can never be redeemed if you don't accept the Redeemer. Yeah. That is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. The rejection of Christ. And when the Holy Spirit does not seal, justify, and sanctify you. Yeah, that's good. And um, especially in, math, in that Matthew 12. The, the religious leaders saw what... Um, Jesus could do what Jesus did. They saw his work and he, they saw him heal people 
they saw him do all these things that they still rejected it and they were like no this is not the son of god after jesus would do all these things that just show he's the son of god but they didn't commit blasphemy of the holy spirit in that chapter um so that's all i have to say on that one how about you emmanuel yeah I, i agree with everything you said but don't make stuff complicated when it's yeah. not supposed to be complicated. That is what the church does. Complicate stuff when it should not be complicated. Yeah. You see that a lot too. They'll try to complicate the gospel to make it almost incomprehensible sometimes. And that's not what you should do. You shouldn't complicate things because it just draws people away. Um, this might be a shorter episode, but who knows? Um, now moving on to a really good topic in the Bible. What is biblical love? What is biblical love, Emmanuel? What is the name for the type of love that Jesus showed? The type of love he showed agape. Now God, the now God being also Father. He showed he showed a fatherly love towards Jerusalem, Samaria, and Israel. But not only did he show a fatherly love, he showed in the Greek word agape, a supernatural mm-hmm. love which can only be expressed by God alone. Yeah. We see the actions of a fatherly love in the Old and New Testament, and we see the agape love in the New and the Old Testament. Now, you can go on. There's also Eros, which we see in Psalms of Solomon, which we see in First Corinthians chapter 7, which we see in Proverbs 31. There are different types of love that are being described in the Bible. Yeah. Now, not there are. Go on. <laughs> um, there are so many different types of love in the Bible. Can't remember the names of all of them, but I know I have them written down somewhere. But the main one we're going to focus on is um, agape love, a sacrificial love that Jesus showed everywhere. Um, were you done saying what you were going to say? Because <laughs> you can continue. Well, I don't know uh, what I was going to say, but but you can go. All right. So um, the first verses we're going to look at is Luke chapter 6, 27 through 28 and verse 30. So 27 through 28 says, but I say to you who hear. Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who abuse you. And then verse 30 says, Give to everyone who begs from you, and from and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. Um so agape love is a sacrificial love. Um agape love is putting um others' needs above yours and putting your needs last. Um and that's um the type of love 
that Jesus had throughout the Bible. And um, when the apostles were looking for it, they didn't, they couldn't just go to dictionaries and be like, oh, let me look up this definition of this love. And they looked at Jesus's teaching and just went, this is agape love right here. Because Jesus, because agape love is sacrificing something without expecting something back. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't expect anything back. He did it out of pure love for everyone, even the people who put him on the cross, even for the Pharisees. He did it out of pure love for the people on this earth. Now, if we go to Matthew chapter 22, let me turn there real quick. Um, it, Jesus is basically saying, like, someone comes up to him and I was like, yo, what's the greatest commandment? Um, so verses 30. 4 through 40 of Matthew 24, it says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, Sadducees, yeah, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked them a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest, this is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. One of these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now, those two commandments that Jesus said literally summarize the Ten Commandments. Um, where it says, love the Lord your God. Obviously, when you love the Lord your God with, all, with everything you have, you're not putting idols above him. You're not doing things that God specifically told you not to do in the commandments. And when it says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, that summarizes all the other commandments, like respect your mother and father. Don't murder people. Don't do all these. Don't lie. Don't don't commit adultery and all this stuff. Those two commandments that Jesus said are the greatest com- are the greatest of the commandments because those summarize all the ten commandments together. And those are commandments are putting your needs, I mean not your needs, others' needs above yours. Because if you were to put your needs first then that'd be just selfish. And um, when you go to John chapter 2, you can see, um, one second, I'm still turning there. Verses 13 through 22 is when um, Jesus flipped the tables because he was angry that there were people selling in the temple. And in verse 18, I mean 16, he says, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. Um, basically in that passage, that's when Jesus became an enemy to the religious leaders. Instead of Jesus beating them up in an alleyway or killing them, Jesus allowed the Pharisees to kill him because he loved them, because he put their needs above his. And he, and they, he let them he died for them because he loved them. He died for them while they were stuck in their pride and their selfishness. And that's agape love right there. Um, we can go through so many verses in the Bible that talks about agape love and the way we should love. First um, Corinthians chapter 13 is a great example of how we should love. First um, Corinthians 13 talks about the way of love. And it's basically like you can do all these things. You can have the faith to move mountains. But if you don't love, 
then it's nothing. Um, you can look at verses 4 through 7 of 1 Corinthians 13, where it gives you the definition of love. It says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Jesus wants us to love other people. Love um, is the greatest of faith and hope. It's the greatest because when you don't love people and you just put yourself first, it's pure selfishness and you don't love anybody. And the way you love people reflects the way you love God and vice versa. The way you love God is the way you love people. And if you don't love God, then it's hard to love people. It's hard to control your backlash when people are messing with you. Um, Because love bears all things. When someone curses you, persecutes you, you should still love them. Obviously, they're like doing bad things to you, but you should still love them because Jesus calls us to love and have an agape love because Agape love is putting your knees above others. I said that like 20 times. And I just want to, I want you to get that through your head that we shouldn't be putting ourselves first in our life. We should be putting other people's needs before us. And we should be loving our enemies and praying for our enemies and praying for those who persecute us and just helping others without expecting anything back and just helping the needy and giving to the needy and giving to the poor. Um, So that's kind of, a definition of agape love but Emmanuel can go deeper into it yeah uh, I totally agree with everything she had noted especially Christ hanging on the cross for his enemies especially him telling us love your enemies as you love yourself and exactly that is what he did the first instance we see agape love is in Genesis 1. And the last thing we see in of agape love is in Revelation 22. It begins with it and it ends with it. The Bible theme is the redemptive love of Christ. To have a redemptive love is to have agape. No person could possibly ever have a redemptive love except for Christ. As I said earlier, Christ is the Redeemer. Mm -hmm. And Him having a redemptive love has given us mercy. In Revelation 22, verse 20, he who testifies to these things says, Jesus speaking, and I quote, surely I'm coming quickly. And John chapter 14 He promises a messenger, I I mean, another helper, my bad, another helper, to not leave you orphans. And, And he makes that very clear in John chapter 14, to not leave you orphans. True love will come back 
for what is missing. Especially when they're gone or you have someone take care of you for a while. Then in verse 20 of Revelation 22, Christ says, surely I'm coming quickly. Then John says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now Christ, I mean, sorry, now John doesn't use the word mercy. John uses the word grace, even though mercy comes first in the adjective of something. He uses the word grace. Because the audience is Christian. We are the audience. And we have been given abundance of grace. And it, and it makes that clear in Romans 8. Even though in most aspects it would be mercy, John uses the word grace. Love is not easy. But the love of God gives us grace because mm -hmm. we are his children adopted and redeemed by the blood of Christ. That's good. And, um, like, you know, there's only one for word for love in the English language, but it's very clear that there's different meanings. Like, you can love your grandma so much, but you can also love pizza so much, but I don't think your grandma would really appreciate you loving her like you love pizza, because that's weird. Um, but in the Bible, there's so many different types of love. There's agape love, there's eros love, there's another word for love that starts with an S. There's so many different loves. And that have so many different meanings. And the one, the main love that God wants us to have towards people is agape love. To have that sacrificial love. Even the, like, let's say you're late to work and you're running late. Like, you're just running down the street and you see someone need to help. You, you don't just ignore them. God would want us to help them even though we're late. That's putting your, their needs above your needs and just helping them. Um, so, um, I guess that's all we have to say about what's, what is biblical love. Um, those are the two topics. This is a shorter episode, but it's okay. Um, if you really want to go study these, the unforgivable sin and what is blasphemy against the unforgettable sin, what is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit and what is biblical love. I really encourage you guys to go study on it, read commentaries, just really get into your word this week and just spend time with God and in prayer and just worshiping him. And and if you're not a Christian and you're listening to this, we encourage you to give your life to Christ. And if you need help with that, you can message us on Instagram, faith.talkspodcast, or you can email us at faithtalkspodcast25 at gmail.com. And we will be glad to help you with that. And if you don't know where to start in the Bible, you can read John. What's a good place to start? And have a good day. Oh, and, oh, and, and before, before we head out, 
just remember if someone tries to teach you but makes it complicated question yourself and say is this coherent or incoherent and if your answer is incoherent the best thing is for you to study on on your own Mm -hmm. or you can just ask them to explain it to you like you're at five (laughs) (laughs) um so that's all we have for you guys today we love you but most importantly jesus loves you so freaking much that he even died for you all right right, we'll take care y'all say bye Bye.